This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Well, it's my great honor to introduce our preacher for today, Dr. Wayne Poplin. When Dr. Poplin came to us as our pastor in the late 70s, he brought lots of gifts and lots of attributes to our church family. He brought biblical scholarship. He had studied undergraduate at Wake Forest University and then both his master's and doctorate at New Orleans Seminary with a special focus in the Old Testament. And so he brought a tremendous knowledge of God's Word, but more than that, he brought the gift of being able to communicate that to our church family. You know, I took some preaching courses in seminary that were a great help to me, but none more so than the homiletics course that I took at First Baptist Church every Sunday as a teenager, sitting under Dr. Poplin and hearing him expound the text and make it open up so that we could see the riches of God's Word through expositional preaching and the way that he would explain the text and illustrate the text. When God called me to preach, I already had a great model. I had already had a great class because of my pastor. He brought youth and fun to our church. I was talking with Wayne and Brenda earlier today, and um, they were both uh, just right at 30 or so when they came. Their son Jared was 18 months old. Their daughter Melody was going to be born during their time here. And, you know, I remember his great preaching and everything, but I also remember things like playing volleyball with him. And I remember the first conversation that I ever had when I felt like God was calling me to preach and sitting in his study and talking with him. I remember the time that he spent with our youth group and teaching us the the Beatitudes. And I still have the notes from those sessions. They were so meaningful. And um, just the the youth and the fun that they brought here was, was so great. And I'll share with you one story. And I I was talking with a friend of mine, Frank Goldsmith, the other day. And uh, Frank was my age. He was a teenager when Wayne was here as pastor. And so Frank was working part-time here on our our building and grounds team. And, of course, Frank's dad was sort of the the head of uh, the building and grounds here. And so one time, Frank and one of his teenage friends, who was also kind of working here part-time on building and grounds, he said they were in here in the sanctuary, and he and his friend were, they were supposed to be on duty. They were, in, and actually, actually they were goofing off, and they were on their backs, on the floor, beneath the pews, and they were racing from the back of the church to the front, and, and using their feet on the bottoms of the pews to propel their bodies forward in this race. And the new pastor walks in. And he says, what are you doing? Sternly and 
Frank is just thinking, he's going to go get my dad. You know what? I am in, I am in massive trouble. And Dr. Poplin looks at these two boys and he says, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. He reappeared a few minutes later in the sanctuary with jeans and a sweatshirt <laughs> and said, let's race. <laughs> Wayne, we won't ask you to do any back racing today, but we'll ask you to do that, that other thing that you excelled at. Come preach the word. Let's welcome Dr. Wayne Poplin. Thank you, buddy. First of all, I want, to, I want to thank Thurman for inviting me to come. That's so special. And I'm so glad that you're here. And it is good to be back in a room of wonderful memories. We had wonderful times here. We had, it was such a good time for my family, as he said, when we came. Jared was 18 months and a little rambunctious kid. And Ruby uh, Easton would take him back in the nursery. And she'd say, God love you, son. And uh, hug him and uh, took him in the back. Everybody got juice, but he got Coke. And uh, so they were, they were spoiled here. Melody was born here. And now we have six grandsons out of that, those two children. And uh, we love all of them. The oldest is nine. They go all the way down to five months. And I'm glad that I could bring, bring youth and energy then. I don't know about bringing youth and energy now. I walked around this morning and uh, thought, man, some of you people are old. And I know you thought the very same thing of me. We sort of, I sort of noticed that people would go by me and I would go by them, and they didn't know whether to speak or not because of the things that uh, have happened to us over the years. Aging takes place. And as Thurman said, we came when I was around 30. So it's been a good while since I've been here. But some of you do not know me. Some of you are new, and I'm glad that you're here. You're in a wonderful church. But uh, some of you do know me. And you were workmen and taskmen when we were here and great friends. And so those of you that are new, give us just a minute or two to reminisce. Uh, We had such a wonderful staff when we were here. We were blessed by God with a great staff. Trudy doing the youth and Terry Falkenberry doing education. I don't know how many of you remember these. Terry and I uh, live close and we still uh, communicate uh, every couple of weeks and have lunch together regularly. Terry and I teach now at Liberty Seminary, Liberty University. He is teaching evangelism and church growth, and I teach Old Testament, believe it or not, and now what they call the Divinity School. David Chambliss, Mary Kay, was our um, music director, and uh, any of you remember Living Pictures and the sound of, uh, sounds of Christmas and some of the things that we did? And, of course, we brought back Wilfred Gatlin, one of the hometown boys, just like uh, Thurman to be our education man later, and uh, he did a, a, a magnificent job. I told Thurman this morning that I, I was looking at my pastoral record book that we keep over the years uh, before I left Charlotte. And uh, while we were here in those years, 13 people, 13 young people were called into the ministry. The greatest amount of kids called into the ministry and my, and my pastorate, especially in those years. I came in my 30s, and uh, I suppose when I was here, I thought that my ministry would last forever. 
you know, how you think when you're young. But age catches up with all of us. And I retired three years ago after spending the last 21 years at uh, Carmel in Charlotte. But I can tell you this, looking back over my ministry, I am privileged to have spent a portion of that ministry here. This has always been a great room for preaching. I've always enjoyed preaching in this place, and I'll do it again today. By the way, I love your renovations. What a great investment in your ministry. As people come and see what you have done, you have, uh, you have given a welcome to them with the beauty and the things that you have put in place. And so I'm proud of that for you, and we enjoyed having the tour a few moments ago. Well, today is homecoming, and it's a celebration for all of us. And for that very reason, I want to I deal with a homecoming celebration in Scripture. And so uh, turn with me to Luke 15. It's a familiar passage. I'm not going to give you all the details on that passage. You already know it perhaps because of the story that uh, you've heard again and again and again. But it, it is the classic homecoming, a homecoming celebration in Scripture, and I want to use it today as the base for what I'm going to say to you. If you know anything about Luke 15, Luke 15, Jesus rapidly gave three, three parables in succession. He said there was a sheep that was lost, and he was found, and there was celebration. There was a coin that was lost, and there was celebration when it was found, and there was a son who was lost, and his dad said, my son that has been lost has now been found. And as a result of that homecoming, there was celebration. This is the story of the prodigal son. You've heard it again and again and again, not only in preaching, but also in Bible study. Two boys, and the youngest said, dad, I want you to split the estate right now and give me my share. And off he went to sow his wild oats. And he swam deeply into sin. He took the Vegas trip, we might say today. But it didn't last long before he had to awaken to what was reality. And he came to himself and he said, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against my father. I need to go home. And so he did. And when he got home, you know the story, you know the ending of it, how he was welcomed home and the, the father put the coat on him and the ring on him, and he said, my son that is dead is now alive, and the one that was lost is now found, and he celebrated that homecoming. Well, I want to take that story this morning very briefly, and I want to extract for us a key lesson out of the text. So let's pray before we begin. Father, today it is good to be back in this place with friends and people that we've loved over the years, people that we served with for many years while here. Now with a great pastor and a great future and opportunity ahead, we thank you for this. And I pray today is that we look into the Word of God, that you'll give us insight into who we are, who we need to be as we become a reaching people to those around us who need Jesus. Bless our time together, I pray, in the name of Christ we ask it. Amen. There's one thing, there's one thing that separates one church from another, 
in impacting a community. The church that has that one thing will impact the community far greater than the church that doesn't. And when you think about that, you say, now what would that be? What would be the one thing that would be so unique and so crucial that it would impact the community more so than the churches that did not have it? And, and you probably would immediately say, I think it would be the message. And obviously there needs to be a preaching of the Bible and a preaching of the Word of God. And I always felt that in this place, that's something that was always well received by this congregation. And I loved preaching at First Baptist Suffolk. And of course, the message is important, but this isn't the one thing. The one thing that I'm talking about needs to be included in the message, and it needs to be preached as the message, but it isn't the one thing. Somebody may think it's strategy and vision. Boy, we've done a number on that recently, haven't we? Every church I went into, it was always, what's your logo, what's your purpose statement? And we've, we've labored hard on that to communicate to people who might come or look at us, this is who we are and this is what we're about. So would the one thing be the vision? Would it be the strategy? No, it is not the one thing, but that strategy should incorporate this. Maybe it's the leadership. How far are you going to go without good leadership, not only in the pastorate, but also in the lay? But it isn't the leadership. But the leadership ought to exhibit this one thing. It ought to demonstrate this one thing. Maybe it's resources. Resources not only of building and money, but also spiritual gifts. But it isn't resources that's the one thing. Maybe it's the community that's here. Maybe it's the body of Christ. Maybe it's what we call in Greek the koinonia. It's the fellowship of believers. How important and significant is that? But that is not the one thing. The one thing is seen in this parable. And it's this, that the people who are the church make it, a loving father church rather than an older brother church. And the point is this, folks. The young prodigal who had sown his wild oats, who awakened to his sin and his need to go back home, if he had been met by the older brother instead of the loving father, there never would have been a homecoming. There would never have been rejoicing. It would not have happened. And I'll tell you today that when a sinner comes home or when a sinner begins to debate whether he should come home or not, if he is greeted by older brother Christians and older brother churches, you know the end of the story. Rather than being greeted by the loving father church. You know, you look, at this, you look at this parable and you say, well, why is there a, par a prodigal anyway? I'd like to call him the, pr the prodigal who left because in a moment we're going to get to the prodigal who remained. Why did the prodigal leave in the first place? Because of poor choices. You realize how powerful choices are? You know it from your own life. We know it from the Garden of Eden. We know it from the apostles when they said yes to Jesus. You're going to follow me? What would you have done? What would I have done? 
The choices we make are so significant. You can be raised in the same home, the same way, by the same two parents, and you know from your own experiences, looking at your own family, how important and powerful choices are. He made a choice. And as the Bible told us not to do, he leaned to his own understanding. And he was duped. And our ancestors have been duped ever since the Garden of Eden. God is not good. God is withholding something from you. He's not compassionate. He's not giving you his best. He was duped at that very point. And he began to believe that the pleasure of sin was greater than what the Father offered. And I will tell you there is a world of people like that out there. There's a world of people like that around us. And you know them. And I know them. And in fact, we probably have been one of them. We made bad choices. Everyone in this room has made a bad choice. Every one of us has been duped. Every one of us has leaned to our own understanding. We, at some point in our lives, have been prodigals. And he left. But I think the great part of the, one of the great parts of the parable is that he came to his senses. He realized that what he believed would make him happy didn't. And he found out that people use you. When you've got money, they will stick around as friends. And when you've run out of money, they will spit you out and they will leave you to rot. They will use you. They will take advantage of you. And he learned that things don't always go as planned. <laughs> there are economic downturns. You lose jobs. You get bad health. Things go sour. And you might want to saddle up to one of these guys and say, how's it working out for you? And it wasn't working out for him at all. And when he lured himself to go work with the pig. And when he wanted some of the slop that he saw the pigs eating, he realized how desperate he was. And the Bible said he came to his senses. And I want to tell you something. People are around us, all around us, are coming to their senses all the time. You know why? Because circumstances cause a seriousness about life and faith. And don't ever forget that. You don't know who they are. You run into them. You may not know them. You don't know their circumstances. But I will tell you that life is tough. And life throws things at you and at me that we are not ready for and we were not expecting. And it will make you get serious about faith and get serious about life and say, what is my purpose here? And don't ever underestimate the fact that the Holy Spirit of God is convicting people all the time. Jesus said the Spirit is going to come, and when he comes, I'm leaving, so he's going to hold up a standard of righteousness. And he's going to convict the world of sin. And he's going to convince people that as the devil is, going, is being judged, they will be judged as well. And I want you to realize that the Holy Spirit is convicting people all the time, and they're coming to their senses. They realize that they were not created to be a pig. They were created as a child of God to have fellowship with him. 
and they're ready to go in a new direction, and they're ready to come home to the Father. And what if they meet the older brother instead of the loving father? There was a prodigal who stayed home. We always think about the prodigal being the one who left. I'm telling you there are two prodigal sons in this passage. There was a prodigal who, a prodigal who stayed home. He was the boy who worked hard. He was the one who was so obedient. And he's the one who had forgotten how loving and compassionate his father was as well. Listen to what it says in verse 29. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Now, you're talking about exaggeration. That is ridiculous. Never had a birthday party with Daddy. I have this whole, this whole estate at my disposal. Everything that the Father has, I have. And he says, you've never even given me a, co- a goat to celebrate with my friends. With the Father, but no longer enjoying the fellowship of the Father. And he had also lost compassion for prodigals. You know, this is a scary part for me because I can see myself here so many times, saved by grace and having lost sight of it. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you something about this guy. This doesn't happen to a new convert who is kicking and screaming in excitement over the grace that's just touched his life. This happens to the Christian who's been in the pew for a long time, who stood in the pulpit for years. And you've worked hard for the Lord, and you've been obedient. You've been trying to be the good boy. And all of a sudden, you begin to lose the sense of what really happened in your life, and that a God who had no no responsibility to save you loved you enough to do it, And it happened by grace. And I look at this boy, and it was no longer what the dad and the father had done for him. It's now what I'm doing for him. And he's come to the point where he says, I deserve this. I've been good. I deserve this. I'm the good son. Which meant the one that left isn't. And he had lost all compassion for him. He made his bed, let him lie in it. And it's so easy to get to that point. Where we resent it, if the Father gives love to those that haven't done as much as we've done. Been with the Father all those years, and he had failed to become like him. And so many times I've thought to myself, that's exactly who you are many times. You've been with a father, but are you really like the father? He didn't want the prodigal to come home. Turn the lights off. Prodigal doesn't deserve this. Isn't it interesting that the firstborn of God sometimes resent the nextborn coming to him? 
And if he had met this brother first, the prodigal that left, again, I don't think there would have been a celebration. I don't think there would have been a homecoming. I think the older brother would have shamed him, scolded him, and said, how dare you show back up here again. I I, I read this parable, and it really isn't about two boys, and I don't know their names, and Jesus didn't tell their names. It's really about me. It can really be about you. Because we all have a tendency to be prodigals. And we all have a tendency, once we come to the Lord, after a period of time, to begin to forget about grace. We begin to think about what we've done and our deserving it and our works. And we become like the older brother. Do you know why Jesus told this parable? Do you know the answer to that? It's all the way back in the first few verses when the Pharisees were saying, you know what Jesus is doing who claims to be revealing God to us? You know what he's doing? He's welcoming sinners and he's eating with them. And so what they were saying is, this is not God. God doesn't act like this. And Jesus told three parables in succession to say to them, oh, you don't think this is what God would do? Yes, he judges sin, but he's the loving father who welcomes that which is lost. And so he said, let me tell you about the sheep. Let me tell you about the coin. Let me tell you about the son. This is who Jesus is, and this is who God is. I always get amused at people who talk about, do you understand that people hate Christians and they love Jesus? And I'm thinking, what have we done to the gospel? What have we done to the celebration? Sometimes when the prodigal shows up in my life, and he shows up in yours, and he comes with his disgusting sin and his poor choices when he should have known better, I feel the older brother attitude rise in me. And I'm guilty. Or when he shows up at church and he takes your seat. I've had this happen. I'm not, I know what's going on here, folks. I've had this happen in church. He's got my, he's got my seat. Do you know that I sit here every Sunday? What happens? What happens when the guy who made bad choices and, oh, to the glory of God, he comes to his senses under conviction and he says, I've got to go home. I've got to, I've got to find the Lord. I've got to make it right with, the, with my father. What happens when he does come? And he takes your seat and he takes your parking place. There's an older brother that rises up in us and we look at him in disgust and scorn and say, how dare him? And folks... When this guy showed up, he didn't have it all together. He didn't have a Bible. And he probably was dressed very questionably. But who welcomes the prodigal? The older brother or the loving father? 
And you know that determines the rest of the story. I am so glad that First Baptist has always had those who demonstrated the love of the Father. Aren't you? And you're going to continue to do it. And you're going to build your ministry. Listen. Build your ministry around forgiveness and joy. And it isn't just one celebration and one homecoming. When you do that, and when you and I are loving fathers in our attitude, and we make that the the attitude of the church, you celebrate one homecoming after the other. I'm back to the one ingredient. Yes, sir, message is significant and it's powerful and the gospel better be preached and the gospel better be explained. And you need vision and you need strategy and you need resources. You need leadership. But I'm telling you the one key thing that will separate any church from another and will be used of God to impact the community the most It is when that church and when those people who make up that church have the attitude of the loving Father. And they understand that they have been graced. And they never walk away from that. And they never enter into the discussion with themselves that I deserve this. And I've been the good boy and they're the bad people. And when they come, I don't treat them as the older brother. I treat them as the loving Father. A prodigal will never feel at home in an older brother church. And he will never, ever feel comfortable around us when we have that kind of attitude. Remember what Paul said to us. He said, you and I are ambassadors for Christ. And he is making, he is the loving father. And he is making his appeal through us to them. Come and be reconciled to the Father. And he doesn't need me to have the older brother attitude. He needs me to reveal the attitude that he has toward everyone who wants to come and know him and to have fellowship with him. That's the key thing. That's the homecoming of Scripture. And it's got a great lesson for us as the people of God. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for being prodigals both ways. Prodigals when we've left you because we've been duped. We question your love for us. We question your grace We questioned your fairness. We got angry at you. And we did things that were so ridiculous and so wrong. But thank you for truth that resonates in our hearts and brings us back. But even after we come back, there is always the danger and the challenge of becoming the older brother or not moving in that direction. And Father, there are times when I feel that attitude rise within me and I know that it's because I have forgotten grace and I've walked away from it. 
And as a person graced, I want you to grace others as well. And Father, if we can be used as that ambassador to make an appeal to them to come and be reconciled to the Father, I pray that we will be used and used because we have the right attitude. We have the loving Father attitude. We're gracious and we're kind. We're understanding and we reveal who God really is. I pray that you will continue to use this church, a church that has had people who had the loving father attitude. And will continue to do that and minister to this community. And I pray that you will use them to impact people, impact lives as people understand truth. And as the Spirit of God works on their life, they come home. And that in this place, there will be a jubilant homecoming celebration again, again, and again. To the glory of God. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As we conclude today, three things. And you sort of see which one you're in. Anybody here thinking about becoming a prodigal? Right now, you're a little mad at God. Things didn't go just right. You think there's something beyond what God is offering that's just a little more tantalizing? Oh, it's so easy to go there. What about somebody here? You've been on that journey. And now you're saying, you know, it wasn't what it was cracked up to be. I'm ready to come home. And anybody here toying with the older brother attitude? Well, we need to slay that right now and get rid of it because of the grace of God that has been visited upon us. Let God speak to your heart. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father. You are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him.
prayer and find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where His love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I can help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.